0: Somebody once said, coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. God's way of remaining anonymous. There are times in life when a set of circumstances comes together so perfectly that someone might call it a coincidence. Maybe to you it seems like it happens by chance or luck, or you might call it a twist of fate. You know, there's a common phrase right now, that people are using, the universe is pulling the strings for me, right? The universe is looking out for me. Or as the character Kevin on The Office sitcom famously said, look, I know it is a, it's easy to say tonight was just a fluke, and maybe it was. But here's a piece of trivia. A fluke is one of the most common fish in the sea. So if you go fishing for a fluke, chances are you just might catch one. In the Bible story today, it could feel like Esther went fishing for a fluke. If this is the first book that you've ever read in the Bible, I think that uh, it may very well seem like these are things that are happening by chance. In fact, the book of Esther, through the whole thing, God's name is not even mentioned. That's quite amazing, isn't it? God's name isn't even talked about in the book of Esther, but we see God's hand at work. You know, we're almost through the Old Testament as we're reading this book, if you've been reading along in the story, and uh, we already know that from the very beginning, God is at work to fulfill his purpose of getting his people back. That's his plan, to get his people back. Do you want to say that with me? To get his people back. Remember that. When you're reading the Bible, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the beginning or the end, or smack dab in the middle where we are right now, God is at work to get his people back. You might say, back from what? Well, back in the very beginning, God created human beings to be with God in paradise, in a perfect relationship with God. And it was. Until human beings decided to go their own way. Adam and Eve chose Their own path, they sinned against God, which then separated them from God and all of humanity that follows. And so they were cast out of the garden and God's plan, God's purpose throughout the Old Testament, through Christ and to the very day when Christ returns, God's plan is to get his people back. That means to get you back. No matter what happens in the lower story, which is our lives here on earth, God's plan to get his people back will not be stopped. So with my grandkids, I just watched the animated movie Frozen 2. You know what? Let it go, let it go. Actually, that was number one, right? No, we're not going to sing anymore today. The Frozen movie tells this dazzling story about Elsa and her adventures, and it draws kids into this chain of events that despite all the odds, it all works out for good, right? It's a fairy tale, right? It's, it's make-believe. It's, it's actually not a true story, but it, it's exciting. And it's, uh, it's fun to watch. It's captivating for children of all, all ages. So the writer of Elsa's story could probably have taken their cue from this book of Ruth. She, Thank you. <laughs> Rewind that. No, we can't do that. All right. From the book of Esther that we're reading today. So she has a fascinating story that shows, despite all the odds, God is at work for good. You know, there's a famous passage in Romans 8.38 that we read at the end of worship, or in worship. It says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. Say that with me. All things. Man, that's hard to imagine. All things. But as the reader, we still have to ask this question of Esther. Do... You see God at work. Do we see God at work? Or does it seem like things are just happening by chance? Is it all coincidence? Now, if you lean towards that, if you lean towards seeing things as coincidences, maybe this helps. One writer says (laughs) that coincidences are God saying, I am with you. Right? Coincidences are God saying, I am with you. The book of Esther makes us wrestle with this question, is God with us? Is life random, or does God work in coincidences? You know, many of us here today are people of faith, right? So when we talk about coincidences, you might uh, probably say, well, Tim, that's, that's actually the wrong question. We, we know there aren't such things as coincidences. We, we know that there are God instances, right, when God's at work, but we see God's work behind the scenes in, in all things. So, so if that's where you are, if you're, if you're under the impression that there are no coincidences, then uh, the question is this. Does God work through all instances? Is God working in all circumstances? So let's look at the life of a random, uh, what seems like a very random life, and find out what Esther discovers about coincidences. So by the end of the book, Esther and Mordecai, they come to this clear conclusion, and and I hope this is where we end up as well. Our lives are not simply subject to a random set of circumstances, but instead, the result of the sovereign work of God. God's hand is upon us. And if you come to that same conclusion, then there are some exciting consequences to be lived out in that. So let's go to Esther's story. All is not well in the kingdom of Queen Vashti, or King Xerxes. Queen Vashti, she's out. I heard a sermon actually preached on the early chapters of this book, and it was quite eye-opening. I hadn't really considered and looked at the story this way. So if you've read the book, I hope that you get kind of an uneasy feeling as you get into those early chapters, that you begin to... Uh, you know, start see that you know something is just not quite right in how this is playing out. You know, the preacher I heard she described the scene with uh, King Xerxes and Queen Vashti as abusive, as degrading, as deeply prejudiced against women. You know, even for those times. So the king wanted to parade his wife in front of all his male friends after drinking liberally for a week straight. Actually, after a 180-day party, and then it ended with one week of a really big party. Well, Queen Vashti, she's no dummy. She knew better. So she refused. And that alone infuriated the king. So he consulted his advisors, and here's the main issue that seems to be the problem. This seems to be it right here in uh, Esther chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. It says, The queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands, There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Now, this is not a New Testament uh, idea of what it means to live together as husband and wife. You know, in Ephesians 5.35 kind of thing, a mutual love and respect in a household. You know, Ephesians 5.35 says, Each one of you husbands also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, that's not happening with Queen Vashti. I think, I think as we read this, as part of the story, we don't want to miss the trauma that's taking place. This seems instead like a controlling, prejudice, uh, an abusive situation against women in the kingdom. And if you have daughters and granddaughters, and I do, then what happens next is really unthinkable. I mean, put it into a personal perspective. The king says, or the king's uh, advisors, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. The harem. The story reveals that Esther is one of those young women. There's nothing more said. It just is. So here's what we know so far. Esther is pretty. That's good. It gets her selected to be taken to Mordecai. I don't know if that's from Mordecai. That's maybe not so good. She'll be brought to the king for a night. She could become queen. At this point in the story, you wonder, is this a good thing? Uh, you know, and, and at what heartbreaking cost? Well, as we dig into the story, we learn a few things. Uh, early on, we see that Esther, er, hmm. early on we see that uh, she's the niece of Mordecai. Her parents died and uh, he adopted her as a daughter. She is a Jew and as is Mordecai, but he instructs her to keep that information silent for now, secret for now. And that's all we know. So God is at work. We are unaware of any plan so far that is, uh, it's all completely unclear. So, there will be times in our lives when the circumstances are all that we see. You know, we don't see the bigger plan where God is at work and, and, uh, you know, in the midst of it and working things out. You know, we wish we would. We pray, Lord, give me a sign that I can see something of what you're doing here. But sometimes we just have to trust God. Sometimes we don't get the privilege of knowing how the plan is working out. And all we know for sure is the situation around us. And sometimes that does not look good. Nothing more. And when that happens, you'll be left with far more questions than answers. Anybody ever feel that way? Far more questions than answers. I think that is part of what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in this life. As part of being human. We sometimes have far more questions then we do answers. And at that point, everything will seem completely unclear. So what do we do? Well, let's see how this plays out for Esther. In the midst of this uncertainty, Esther pleases the king and is chosen over all the others to be Xerxes' queen. And for Esther and Mordecai, you know, the good news is about to get complicated by what seems like some more random events as Mordecai's uh, Mordecai discovers a sinister plot. So he happens to be at the right place at the right time. While sitting at the king's gate in the citadel of Suda, Susa, he simply overhears a plot to assassinate the king. He reports it to his niece. She reports it to her king, and the plot is stopped in time. Mordecai's good deed is a footnote in the record of the kings. That's it. And they lived happily ever after. Let it go, let it go. Trying to engage the grandkids. All right. <clears throat> nope. That's not how the story goes, is it? There's an evil character in the, in the plot. Uh, he, this evil character, he hates Mordecai. He hates the Jews. And he hates them so bad that he wants to annihilate them. He wants to eliminate them. He wants them all wiped out. This guy's name is Haman. Remember, Queen Esther, she's secretly a Jew. So the enemy wants them all dead. And he's plotting to do it. The big problem is that he is a high official in the king's court. He's the king's right hand man. His name is Haman the Amalekite. So if it's up here on the screen, I want to invite you to say that. Haman the Amal- Amalekite. We don't have it. All right. Yeah, we can just say it, right? Haman the Amalekite. Keep that in mind. The Amalekites might sound familiar to you if you've been reading the Bible uh, so far. Uh, You may recall that the Jews have had run-ins with the Amalekites before. They have a long evil history with Israel. They're the first people that obstruct Israel from getting into the promised land when Moses was leading them. And the first king of Israel, Saul, he was supposed to wipe them out, but he chose not to. He disobeyed God. Now Haman, all these years later, has risen to power in the Xerxes cabinet. So he's the ancient enemy of those Jews, and he has a personal grudge against Mordecai. So the coincidences in this story, they really seem to be piling up. Interestingly enough, when we find ourselves in the middle of personal trials and maybe our own difficult situations, when we're still unaware of how God's plan is unfolding, we may notice that the coincidences seem to be piling up. You might be asking yourself, what's going on here? It might be a good time to watch closely. God might be getting ready to reveal his plan. Well, the bad news keeps piling up in Xerxes' court. Haman convinces the king to issue an order for the extermination of the Jews in all 127 provinces of the kingdom. And whoever kills the Jews, they can keep the Jews' possession. So there's some motivation behind this, right? It'll happen at a set time in the future determined by lots, which is purim in the Hebrew language. Uh, lots simply means by chance, and the day is Adar 13. It's on the Persian calendar. So now it's set. The time will, will come. Talk about anxiety, right? Sitting, waiting for this day of extermination to come. You know, we all face anxiety about something that's coming in the future, don't we? We all get worried about something. You know, maybe it's playing on the team for a big game. Maybe it's your pet that you worry about. Maybe your family or your mom or your dad or a child or a grandchild going wayward. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's war or earthquakes around the world. You know, circumstances just keep piling up and you're still trying to understand what coincidences are at work. How is God in the midst of this? You know, William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1940s, he's well known for saying, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. How do you see them? What can we do when it seems like the odds are stacking up against us, when we have no idea what God's plan is? And I think the only thing we can do in those moments is to do what Esther did. Act courageously. Act courageously. So what happens in the palace of Susa? Mordecai convinces Esther to appeal to the king to stop the genocide against the Jews, but the appeal could cost Esther her life. So the court of the king is not a place uh, to make up your own rules. We already learned that with Queen Vashti. So no one could go before the king without an invitation, which included the king. If she did, the king could choose to either receive her or to kill her. And with Xerxes' history, it could be a big gamble. So what would you do? What would you do? If you were faced with such a situation where your action could make all the difference for others or someone else what would you do would you play it safe hope someone else would come to the rescue or would you act not knowing the outcome putting your own life at risk what would you do well that's our dilemma you know we we kind of want to know all the answers before we take that step don't we i mean we're in an age of information. We'll research and do everything we can to know what is the best possible outcome that we could expect. Sometimes we'll even go with uh, you know, percentages and odds and try to figure out you know, what could the outcome be. And then we still are hesitant to take action. You know, For Queen Esther, she faced a life-threatening situation. So what did she do? Well, she chose to act courageously. Sometimes you and I, we just simply have to take that step. We simply have to act courageously, trusting that God is going to show up in God's timing. Esther, she wasn't so sure, so Mordecai tells her the truth. He says, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Things are in motion, and it's time for action. So Esther told Mordecai to fast and pray for three days with all the Jews, and she said, "When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law." And, and here's what she says. Here's her attitude toward this: If I perish, I perish. You know, as we we read these verses, maybe you're wondering, what signs of assurance did Esther have? How did she know that God would work all these things out for good? What are the signs? A speaker at a Houston conference, she suggests some signs. Marty Ann signed a missionary. She brought some pastors to the United States from Africa. And during their free time, they wanted to go shopping. So even though it was a small town, she knew that there was some chance that they could have difficulty or that they might get lost. So she gave them her phone number um, and said, in an emergency, you know, just uh, go ahead and give me a call. In less than an hour, the phone rang. Pastor said, hey, I'm lost. Marty said, go to the street corner, find out the names of the two streets on the corner and tell me and I'll come and get you. So in a few minutes, he uh, reported back, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk. (laughs) Sometimes as we seek to know if God is leading us or not, we might feel like we're at that corner, right? Walk and don't walk. What do we do? The only thing that we can do, courageously trust God. Hi, hi. Esther could see what needed to happen. She knew what it would take to save her people, and she had to be brave to make it happen. At the end of the day, you know, we're just simply called to do the same thing. We probably won't know the outcome. We're just called to act on what we do know and trust God. Esther said, if I perish... I perish. That's courage. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. You know, a cross is where lives are given up. Jesus showed the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate example when he gave his own life. Esther didn't know the outcome, but she was willing to take the chance, believing that God is going to work things out even though the outcome is hidden from her, even if it costs her her life. You know, we can't deny it. God calls his people to fearlessly risk all for what is right. So as we come to Esther's story, as uh, we come to the end, after she commits to go to the king, things quickly come together. Sometimes in all this waiting, it seems like nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens! And then all of a sudden, it does. All the pieces start to come together. Evil Haman, he devised a plot to have Mordecai killed on a pole. He set it up in the courtyard. But Esther went before the king, and she revealed that she was a Jew, and that Haman's plot to kill the Jews included her. And at that moment, Haman realized that things were turning against him, and the king was against him. And he went to the queen to plead for his life, and as he does, he stumbles into the queen right at the moment when the king enters and he thinks he's, uh, the king thinks Haman's making an advance on her, and for Haman, all his evil begins to catch up for him. Like this story of a coworker in a corporate office. After a day full of accidents and mistakes, my coworker had it. Why, he cried out in exasperation, do things happen to stupid people and they keep happening to me? I think Haman had a day like that. But his enemy wasn't Mordecai, was it? His enemy was God. He was trying to stand in the way of God's plan to save his people. So the coincidence seemed too much to be just coincidences. You know, the king orders Haman impaled on a pole that he intended for Mordecai. Mordecai is presented with uh, an elevated to a powerful position that Haman left behind. Mordecai is honored as an official in the empire, and the beautiful, courageous Queen Esther. She continues as queen. The decree against the Jews couldn't be removed, so another decree is issued that the Jews can defend themselves on Adar the 13th. And we read this in Esther chapter 8. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebration. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because of fear of the Lord. God worked in all this to bring people to Him. Maybe for you, life is feeling random and without purpose. If so, let this story remind you that God is at work behind the scenes. You know, even when it seems impossible for anything good to come out of your story, Maybe that the circumstances are just piling up too fast. Let me encourage you to trust God. Act courageously. Because as much as it depends on you, that's all you can do. And remember, God will accomplish his upper story plan with us or without us. But who knows? God may have placed you exactly where you are For such a time as this. Have courage. Be courageous. Act. The Apostle Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's say that together as we close today. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to trust in you. And Lord, I thank you that even in those circumstances and places where it just seems like you're not showing up, God, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how hard we look, Lord, we just don't see you. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Thank you for your promise that you will never leave us or abandon us. Thank you, God, that you are here right now. You know our hearts. You know our struggles. You know our trials. You know our circumstances. You know the plea of our heart today. And you're with us. Lord, you're with us. Help us to hold on to this truth. Lord, that we may be sustained by your presence. By knowing, even when we don't feel it, knowing that you are here. And Lord, help us to hold on to the promise that you will work through all things for the good of your people, for those who are called according to your purpose. And Lord, today we commit to act courageously, to do what we can and trust the rest to you. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.